This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Okay, everybody. Happy Sunday. Hello. Thank you for tuning in. This is Brad Listy, and this is a special edition of the Other People Podcast. I am very pleased today to be sharing with you the first chapter of my new novel, Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. This is the exclusive world premiere. My book has not been excerpted anywhere as of yet. This is the very first time that any part of the novel has been made available for public consumption in any format. And it is important to me that it happen here on this program for this audience because I have been with many of you guys for more than a decade now. This uh, podcast has been a big part of my life and a big part of my creative life for a long time, much longer than I ever expected. And none of the show's success could happen without you, the listeners at home, obviously. And I should also mention that the podcast is a part of my novel. I don't know how much I've talked about this, but the podcast makes an appearance in the book itself. And how could it not really in a work of autofiction? I am extremely grateful to everybody who has listened to this show over the years, everybody who has guested on this show, everyone who has been kind enough to support the show. And I just wanted to make sure that you guys are the first people to hear a bit of my book. So once again, the novel is called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. It will be available in print in trade paperback from IG on May 10th. So just, you know, coming up less than a month away. And the audiobook will also be available on May 10th, wherever audiobooks are sold. The audiobook edition is produced by Tantor Media and Highbridge Audio. I am the reader of the audiobook, in case that wasn't already apparent. And I've talked about it a bit on this program in past episodes. I had a nice time going into the studio and recording the audiobook though it was a bit strange to read my entire novel aloud for essentially one other person, (laughs) Um, which I like this experience, the strangeness of this experience has been corroborated by other authors since I talked about it on the show and tweeted about it a little bit. I think Joseph Grantham tweeted about it after talking to me. There's something strange about reading your entire book aloud for essentially one other person. It's a very intimate exchange. But uh, that said, I think the audiobook turned out very well. I'm glad that I got to read it. 
and I am very pleased to get to share an exclusive excerpt from Be Brief and Tell Them Everything with all of you right now. So here we go. This is the first chapter of my new book. Highbridge, a division of recorded books, presents Be Brief and Tell Them Everything by Brad Listy. Read by Brad Listy. This book took 12 years to write. It started out as a novel, and then it became a different novel, and then it was another different novel, and then it was an essay collection, and then it was nothing for a while, and then it was a memoir, and then it became a novel again, and now it's whatever this is. During the time it took to write this book, I met my wife Franny, dated her, proposed to her, married her. We got a French bulldog and named him Walter. The global economy collapsed. Franny got pregnant and gave birth to a girl we named Alice. A close friend died of an accidental opiate overdose. I wrote a screenplay called Man of Letters, an absurd comedy about a 40-year-old spoken word poet who lives with his parents. It didn't sell. I produced 500 episodes of a podcast called Other People with Brad Listy, in which I talk at length with other writers. We suffered through five miscarriages. I co-wrote a sitcom that sold, but was never made. I worked several different media jobs and referred to myself in public as a creative consultant. We finally conceived a second child, a little boy named Oscar, Joy. And then, six months after his birth, he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy and epilepsy. Heartbreak. Also, Walter choked on a bagel and died. This was years ago. Franny gave him the Heimlich, and we rushed him to the vet, but he didn't make it. We now have another dog, a rescue mutt from Mexico. Alice named her Twiggy. She was born in a litter of 11 puppies and abandoned in the streets of Tijuana. We live in Los Angeles, a city about which almost everyone has something stupid to say. 72 suburbs in search of a city makes the rest of California seem authentic. The plastic asshole of the world, William Faulkner called it. I've been here almost 20 years. Franny has been here since college. It's like living on a soundstage, I sometimes say. And people who have never been here before like to tell you they can't stand it here. The truth is that I've never felt like I fully belong here. But then, who can be said to fully belong here? The region on its own terms should be, by rights, a mostly arid expanse of coastal sage and chaparral. But instead, there exists an improbable, teeming metropolis covering nearly 500 square miles. It is a city almost entirely without visual logic. No apparent unifying theme, no plan or system of organization. Walk out your front door and turn right or turn left, and within minutes, you will encounter all manner of architectural possibilities. A chaotic hodgepodge, a warehouse, a church, a strip club, a Frank Gehry building. It makes no sense. And I suppose this is the point. The unifying theme of Los Angeles is that there is no unifying theme. The point 
is that there is no point. Everything is here, and all of it is jumbled together, and none of it is related to anything. Be whoever you want to be. Live however you want to live. Scrap and claw and fight and dream and pretend to be infinite in your infinity pool. On some level, I'm able to appreciate it. On another level, I'm appalled. Occasionally, I'll tell myself that I should move my family out to the country, far off the beaten path, live someplace sleepy and beautiful, Oregon or Montana or Idaho or Colorado, tucked away up in the mountains, a small town airy, under big sky. That or I should try to find work overseas in a place like Sweden or Denmark or Norway or New Zealand, where the happiness indices are reportedly high and infrastructure and education are supposedly first-rate, where government, rumor has it, functions with a reasonable degree of efficacy, and where life would be, for us, I imagine, both simpler and more exotic at the same time. Maybe we should get out of here, I'll say to Franny. Go be sane somewhere. But to do it, we'll have to be bold. Anything normal feels crazy anymore. Try to give the kids an experience. Some kind of alpine village with a bookstore and a decent cafe. That's all I want. I'm not greedy. The two of us lying in bed, flat on our backs, staring up into the blankness of the ceiling. Maybe Switzerland, I'll say, dreaming. It's expensive on the one hand, but insulated and picturesque and trilingual. Let's be neutral, Franny will say. Neutral and extremely calm. The thing that haunts me, I'll say, is this feeling that we're living through a uniquely stupid period in history. To be in opposition seems rational. But to actually do it, you have to take action. You can't just sit around talking all the time. Otherwise, what? The whole thing's so embarrassing. And that's really the word for it all. You wake up in the morning, and you pick up your phone to read the news, and you feel ashamed to be alive. The conversation might then return to Switzerland, with talk of orderliness and air quality, and the children able to play outside unsupervised. Cattlebells sounding in the valley, universal health care, bullet trains to France. But soon enough, the fantasy will become unwieldy, collapsing under its own cartoonish weight, and I'll find myself conceding that the logistics are overwhelming, not to mention the price tag. And anyway, geography rarely changes anything anyhow. And this is where I always wind up, I'll say. The real trouble is between my ears, and I know it. Imagine being miserable in the Alps, drinking hot cocoa, feeling like something's missing which is exactly what would happen. But on some level, I refuse to believe it. And so on. And beyond that, of course, there would also be the issue of Oscar and his therapies, and how living in any kind of remote location would likely be a non-starter anyhow, as access to facilities and expert medical care is, for us, essential. And what about the language barrier? Taking such matters into consideration, our life in Los Angeles can be seen as a remarkable stroke of luck. Imagine, we'll sometimes say to each other, 
What happens to disabled kids who don't have access to resources? Parents left to their own devices, families in dire circumstances, in jungles and mud huts and dismal urban slums. What about them? Who's looking out for those poor kids? And meanwhile, here we are, alive in a kind of paradise, dreaming about escape, nursing our wounds in a city where the weather, at least for now anyway, barely ever changes. Yes, it's completely insane here, but for the most part, it beats the alternative. Los Angeles is a complete mess, I'll say to Franny. It's a terrible place to raise children, but a piece of wood doesn't become smooth by rubbing it with velvet. Over the years, this has become one of my go-to lines, something I read in a Buddhism book once, a nice little way to rationalize our decision to raise our kids in the eye of the storm. Though the question it begs is always one of proportion. Just how much sandpaper are we talking about here? Back when Franny was pregnant with Alice, I remember telling her, as we stood in the kitchen one night, how happy I was that we were having a baby. A sweet moment in a young marriage. The two of us hugging by the stove, the roundness of her belly pressing against mine. I don't always realize that it's happening, I said. But every once in a while it hits me, and I just want you to know that I'm excited about it. You are? I am. How so? I don't know. I just am. It'll be fun to hang out with her. What are you going to do with her? I'm going to share all of my wisdom with her. Franny thought about it for a moment. And what are you going to do the next day? She said. The truth is that I don't know what exactly to do. Ultimately, there are no clean answers. We have to make our decisions and deal with the consequences. We live here, and most likely will continue to live here, barring some unforeseen development. What matters most, we tell ourselves, is what happens at home, the manners we enforce, the values we champion, who we teach our kids to be by virtue of our own examples. And surely this is true enough. Still, I can't help but wonder what this city might be doing to us how it might be taking its toll. Has it robbed us of some critical perspective? Is sincerity even possible here? Can the mood of the place be avoided, the common Hollywood affect, the weary knowingness about everything, the cynical eye roll at all of the cultural stupidities and excesses, even as one might participate in them and profit from them? Is it possible to live a life apart from this, within city limits, or are we all simply doomed to embody it, marching through our sun-bleached days, alive inside the machine? Or am I being melodramatic, tying myself into knots? This desire to be sure about things, a kind of fear. Maybe the wiser strategy would be to relinquish all prophecies of doom, stop having so many opinions and relax a bit, lose the certainty. It's nothing more than hubris anyhow, as if I actually know what this is or where the world is headed. Please. I am, as best I understand it, the cosmos grown to self-awareness, an assemblage of infinite parts, 
Every thought I've ever had, every bite of food I've ever eaten, the sunlight, the birds, the rain, the trees, all of it locked together in an endless causal chain. And here I am, non-local. I live in a place where the light pollution is so bad you can barely see the stars. Bewilderment. Always best to respond to the quandary with something approaching lucid indifference. Bear witness, stay calm, and describe. Write it down. My distant ancestors were microbes, fish, mice, and arboreal apes, and every atom in my body is traceable to the explosion of high-mass stars billions of years ago. Fair enough. The best I can hope for is to live for a century inside the mystery, hopefully in a state of relative comfort, take care of my wife and kids, and then die as everyone before me has died, absorbed, most likely, into an oblivion so total that I can't even begin to fully comprehend it. Or maybe that's wrong. Beats the shit out of me. All right, folks, there you go. That is the first chapter of my new novel, Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. It is available on May 10th in both trade paperback and audiobook formats. You can pre-order the book right now if you would like to. I would love it if you do that. For more information, just go to bradlisty.com. It's all right there. You can use whatever bookseller you prefer. It's your choice. Again, it is called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. It is a novel. It is a work of autofiction. It took me a long time to write it. There was a lot of failure involved. It is a very personal book, as I'm sure you've been able to glean. And I put all of myself into it. This much I can tell you. I tried my very best and I didn't quit. Even though I often want even though I often wanted to. I couldn't quit, really. I had to finish it. I don't know exactly why, but I did. And I'm glad that I did. And I'm proud of how it turned out. And I hope that you will read the book if you are so inclined. So thanks so much for listening, both today and uh, all days. I'm deeply grateful to everybody who supports this show and listens to it. And I'm so happy that I was able to share this exclusive preview of my new novel with all of you today. Okay? Thanks once more. Greatly appreciated. I will be back with a new episode of the Other People Podcast in just a few days.